0: Anybody who know me, will know that after today and yesterday, my life has changed. Before somebody called me to give me something, I have to beat me, I can't hear, as a young man like this, Saturday morning, I came to Accra to visit my own brothers and the train left. I was very late and the train left. So I just went and slept at this place. I was sleeping like I'm sleeping. Ah, I hear my he want my ears sound. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He changes us
1: from the inside out.
0: I wake up, I say, plenty of people was it? I say, no, I will talk because I I, I I am healed right now, and I was healed, that Im- immediately, I was healed.
1: I heard that
0: you were deaf in both ears for two years, is that true? I, I, my name is Mohammed. So I'm Mohammed out. Out. I came from Temer, I came to Kanisi By going to take a train. I make late, so I say, let me come to the independence, why is it? independence but i was sitting down here just here i did not even pray i did not do anything so i, I wake up and I, I i can hear and the ears was telling me i can hear people who know me can testify that i am very happy the, even the quran tell me that if you are a muslim and you do not believe in jesus christ you are not a movement you Like that when you you know the truth and the truth must surely set you free let me tell my wife that Jesus is the son of god <laughs> Appreciate and to thank Jesus for what he has done for me. If I have opportunity, I could attend to pastor and then I'll open my own church. Or I'll be preaching in the street, telling them and read this and read this, telling them to understand that we are all the same people. We don't hate each other. I don't hate them. I don't hate Christian. I don't hate Muslims. But I need to worship the truth. That is what I mean. I receive my healing and I believe only one thing, that only if you have believed that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Savior, then the truth shall set you free and you will get life even here and after that.
1: Good morning. So to be honest with you, I, I had mixed responses when I watched this. My first response was, How awesome is that? My second response was, Is that authentic? Is it a fraud? In fact, I actually went online to try to find out if anybody had had disproven it and, and said it wasn't a healing, it was just a setup. I couldn't find anything that, that said that, so I'm, I'm saying that, that probably it's true. I'm also thinking, how many people, with his, his strong stance about Jesus at this point, as, as he's realizing who Jesus is, how many other people groups, how many other cultures at that moment he may have offended by just declaring who Jesus is? And then I, I was taken with the footage, as you watched, of the great celebration going on. The, the excitement, the joy that is there. Any time and you can look through history, anytime that you find a group of Jesus followers who have gathered together in community, there are going to be mixtures of response. that this thing about following Jesus can at the same time, be both polarizing and mesmerizing. And that we have these presets in us. These biases upon which we base our view of faith and community. And so the question I'm I'm asking us this morning is, what are the markings of a true community of Jesus followers, of Christ followers? What does that look like? And the first thing I want to say, as I have looked through this, and and especially as we're walking through some letters that Paul has written, that the, the community of faith establishes a community of celebration. So, I see Scotty and Melissa down here and they're getting married on the 4th of July. And and yeah. I I told Scotty it's my life too. If you can find somebody that loves you and wants you better marry him quick. So he's he's doing that. <laughs> so, I love weddings and the thing I really like about weddings, really the, the, the for me the, the most fun part is when all of the formal stuff is done and everybody gets relaxed and the music starts pumping and the people start laughing and and eating and, and jumping and dancing and it's just one huge celebration. I just love that. And I think one of the reasons I may love that is because when Pam and I got married, we got married in a church culture that didn't believe you should celebrate that way. So quite honestly, we had a very boring reception. In fact, we, we had this rather skeptical saying that the reason that our church culture did not believe in premarital sex is because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> so we'll, we will celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary next year, and I have threatened that we're, I'm going to throw a reception, the one that we missed. And we're going to have a... Yeah! Yeah! So, so, Dan, I know you're a DJ, buddy. Get ready, because we're going to be calling on you. And in the meantime, pray for Pam and I, because we've got to take dance lessons, because we have no clue. <laughs> so we're going to work on that. But So, so the, the, the question I have for us is this. That if this thing called a wedding seems to just call out this wonderful celebration that that when a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, and we have this incredible celebration, how much more should the celebration be for what that wedding actually represents, which is Jesus' love for his followers? Should we not have, every time we gather together, this incredible, wonderful celebration? So Paul, at the moment that he write the, writes the words we're going to look at this morning, at that moment, understand where he is. He is under intense scrutiny and criticism from religious leaders. He's within a culture that wants to persecute him. There are are these, these personality clashes among the followers of Jesus, and it's pretty intense. And he himself is in prison, and he has this threat of imminent death. And in that setting, he makes this command... Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, what? Rejoice. You guys said that like your funeral directors. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, uh, see, now that's better. So he says, and what I want you to do, and he says, this is what I do here in prison, preset your life, and you have to reset it to get there, do so, but preset your life focused on celebration. And you do that by seeing the broader picture. So we've talked about this whole thing of joy and that joy and happiness are not the same. Happiness is based upon happenings. And if you have the right happenings and enough happenings, you will have happiness. But if you don't, then you are not happy. Joy is something different. Joy is a calm delight founded on grace and peace. And grace is God's favor for this day. Today you have his grace. He has you have his favor today. It's his pleasure wrapped around ability to accomplish what you need today. And peace is this inner confidence that what he has for you today is good. And this contentment that it actually is the best, and that you aren't losing anything at all today. You think I'm at a loss, you are not at a loss because he has you. That is a picture we focus on every day. So if that is part of our private confession, then this command, believe it or not, this command goes beyond that. This command is more than your private, oh, I'm joyful even though I'm not doing so well. This command actually is a command to be involved in a public celebration. Because Paul lived in this culture that if whether you lived in Philippi or Ephesus or Corinth, they had these wonderful, wonderful festivals that took place. They had these, 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 these athletic games and they had these stories that they would portray. So he says if they can do that, if they can have a celebration of festivals that celebrate not only the city but their gods and including the newest god... Caesar himself, he said, if that is the case, why shouldn't the followers of King Jesus, Lord of everything, have a massive celebration? He said, so we're going to celebrate. That is why that I, I firmly believe that the way that God created life, he's put us in these life cycles. And he said, six days you work, seventh day you have a Sabbath. And so you have this life cycle of every week. And everybody works, and then they look forward to the weekend. He says, because it's, it's the pattern that, that we've established of living life. <clears throat> and that's why I believe that in every one of those cycles, there needs to be a day. Whether you call it the Sabbath or whatever it is, there needs to be a day that you gather with the community and you celebrate Jesus, who is Lord that's why I believe it's, it's important that it's not just once in a, in a great while that you gather with the community. Paul says every, every week, there needs to be this celebration. And in fact, if you look through his words, he'd say, when you gather together at the first of the week, because that's what they did. Even when life is not very much fun for you right now, or you're feeling grieving of some kind of loss There is no better place for you to gather than in this gathering that declares that we are covered by grace and peace. This is not some extroverted, enthusiastic, emotion-fueled, out-of-control dance party, but this is a time we get together and we declare, as we did this morning, that he is Lord and that he's covered us with grace and peace, and therefore we are there to submit to his awesomeness And to be awed by him. So if we start every week a celebration, and I encourage you to do that, like you're doing here, do it again next week. Start every week with a celebration. Paul says it will help us with what will follow. And it's simply this. Inward lordship creates outward gentleness. So I told you that Pam and I have been praying this prayer out of Psalm 91 now for a couple of months, and it's it is our our tradition now in the mornings when we when we get up and we pray together, I we begin to pray this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you. And so we begin this prayer, and we say, well, Lord, you, we declare today that you are Lord over our life, and we picture that, that we, he, is, he is more powerful than anything that would try to come against us. And we say, we declare that over us, and not only us, but we declare that over our family in Boulder, Colorado, and our family in Kansas City, and our family in Hollywood, and our family in Ann Arbor. We pray over all of them, and we bring them with us. And we put them then in this fortress, and this fortress where you cover us. And then we stand upon this rock that you are that is above our enemies. And then we declare that the fowler snare, any traps that someone tried to bring against us, you will keep us from that. And that any deadly pestilence, any poisonous circumstance, you will keep us from that. And that we will dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And because of that, we will rest in you this week. This, we will rest in you today. Now, if that is true, If that is true, that means that there can be nothing that will come against us unless it must come through him first. And if someone who doesn't like me or like what I stand for makes their way to me, then God has allowed it to happen. And at that moment, I must believe that they are in front of me so that I can love them for God. He sent them to me that I may love him in the same manner that he did. And therefore, Paul says this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, we don't have an English word that really translates well, so what he says there is simply this, that we take this volunteer position, voluntarily, we let go of our rights. Because really, as a follower of Jesus, we have no rights except to love. We let go of our rights, and whoever we're dealing with, we approach them in consideration and in Gentleness to others. And who are those others? He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. That's all. That would include Christ followers, Muslims, Hindus, nuns, and I'm not talking about the kind that wear the habits, but the nuns are those people who say, I have no religious affiliation any longer. To Republicans, Democrats, Obama, Clinton, Bush, Bruce, now Caitlyn Jenner, Pope Francis, Kanye West, Billy Graham, and even your drunk Uncle Bubba. You say, why? Why should I be gentle with them? Because the Lord is near. Which means that he's intensified his efforts to reconcile everything to himself. And we, as the celebration group of followers of Jesus, are now his voice of reconciliation. And that voice is characterized by its gentleness. So when this church went to the funeral of our vice president, his son, who died of a tumor and they went to protest, I declare today that they did not follow God's word because it wasn't done in gentleness. That we must be very careful that even with those we do not agree with, he said, I want you to do this in gentleness. So people, we got to represent. When we're dealing with others who are outside perhaps our community of faith, Now, when we do that, we need to understand that things can get intense and they can can create some anxiety. So Paul says, now here's what I want you to understand about that. Things can be anxious for you. And and Paul would be the perfect example of that because there he's in prison and he may die. And he says says to us that I want you to practice prayer. I want you to practice prayer that overcomes your anxiety. So I've got to be honest with you. This week, I got a little bit cranky. And so Tuesday night... I finally got home, and I just got in time to turn it on, the TV on at 8 o'clock to watch the program that I like called NCIS. I like it when Gibbs slaps people on the back of the head. It's just a great feeling. I live through him. So I sat down. We, Pam and I sit down. We start to watch this. We get halfway through, and, 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 and Pam picks up her cell phone, and, and she dials a number, and she starts talking during NCIS. I know somewhere in the scripture that's prohibited. (laughs) And so she just starts talking. Well, I can't turn the volume up because she'll just start talking louder or just look at me with that look that I don't want to see. And I'm thinking inside at that moment, I didn't say it out loud because I've been married now 39 years, so I know better than to say this out loud, but it's just, it's, it's brewing inside of me. I'm thinking, you know, about two decades ago, they had phones that had these cords on them and you couldn't leave the room, but look what you have in your hand. You have a cell phone, it moves, and it's so much easier for you to move that cell phone out of this room than it is for me to pick up that TV and walk. (laughs) So finally, I just get up, and and I'm sure I sighed really heavy. And I had to walk, I, I was tired, and I had to walk 15 paces to the bedroom and turn on the other TV and continue to watch it. And then a little bit later, I heard, What are you doing in there? I'm avoiding your noise. To be honest with you, I was agitated the rest of the evening. The next morning, I got up and get, got ready to do God's work. <laughs> and she said to me, why are you mad? I said, I'm sorry, it's not your fault. No, wait, it is partly your fault, but that, that's another issue. It, it, I think I'm stressed. I think that I just realized as I processed through the way I reacted, I just, I'm feeling some anxiety. And I said, dude, will you pray for me? So she was so sweet. She just, she put her arms around me and prayed for me. And then, and then the next morning, I guess she figured I still needed it. She said, let me pray for you. And so, come here, Pam. (laughs) Come here. So, so she prayed this way and it's just wonderful. She prayed and you stand like this. Okay. And I want them to see. All right. Right there, okay. So she's praying for me and she says, God, I want you to cover him with your presence. And she does this. She goes, I want I want you to cover him with your presence. And I said, Oh God, keep covering. This is so good. God, is there a kiss with the covering? It is so good. Thanks, babe. So it makes a difference. So Paul says, look, in your celebration, and you you portraying who Jesus is, you are going to come under some attack. You are going to have anxious moments. And just being human, and just the, the human nature in you, and the changeover, the transformation that you're trying to go through, you are going to have some anxious moments. So inside this community of Jesus followers, there must be prayer. And so he says this. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What's, what's lying on your brain right now that's creating all those what ifs? God, what, if, what if this happens? What if, that, what if that doesn't happen? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? What is this anxiety that you feel right now? That word anxiety actually has the the base root division, divide. It means that you are moving ahead towards your goals, towards what is supposed to be your life, and and there's this thing that happened, and now you're diverted. Now your emotions are pointed that way. Now you're thinking about, but what what about that thing? And, And it's draining you, and it's draining your resources. It's a joy sucker. It's just sucking joy out of you. So Paul says, figure out that, what, what that is, what's causing that. And that's what I had to do the other night. I had to think through and say, well, okay, what is this? What, what, what's going on? He said, now I want you to come and I want you to pray. And that word pray, as he begins it, actually means to take the posture of a worshiper. To go before him and begin to declare who he is, even before you bring your needs. You say, I want to declare that you are Lord of everything. I want to declare that you provide everything. I want to declare that you are the forgiver of all sins. And you begin to rehearse back what you know. And if you don't know anything, open up the book of Psalms and just begin to declare what the psalmist David declares. Open up the gospels and say, oh, that's what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus does. This is who you are. And now I bring to you my petitions. Everything that I need or I want. And I hear people say sometimes, but that, you know, it was just a small thing. I didn't want to bother God. What is that? I didn't want to bother God. God cares about the smallest things to the largest things. He cares about whether or not you want to find a parking spot when it's raining outside closest to the door. As much as he knows that you want to, you want to pray for your sister who's got cancer. He said, I'm going to cover it all. Talk to me about it. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It is a continuous flow. Keep on, because my resources never run dry. And when you do that, come with thanksgiving. And that word thanksgiving there actually means that you come to him with an understanding, saying, I'm thanking you as I'm asking you that you're going to give me the best. The best that you know for me. And, and while I'm thanking you for that, I'm going to tell you thank you because I'm looking around the things you've already done for me and I'm rehearsing them and I'm telling you thank you that I have this house I live in, thank you that I still have this job or thank you that I have income taking care of me while I don't have a job. Thank you that even though I'm not sure where the income's coming from, you said you'd take care of me. I'm thanking you for these things. So often God would say to Israel when they would falter, your problem is you're not thankful enough. Thank me. Then you'll know how I care for you. So come to me with thanksgiving. Then he says, now, bring before me your requests. And sometimes that can be a word. Sometimes that's a groan. Sometimes that's a really deep prayer. When Pam and I and our family moved from Boise, Idaho, to Gresham, Oregon, the truck had gone before us, and I piled them in the car, and we were going over the Blue Mountains that border Oregon and Idaho, and I didn't know that that was the time of the year. It was, spring, it was springtime, and I thought, I thought everything was fine, but it had snowed up there, and, and legally I was supposed to have chains on my tires. I didn't know that, and I wasn't going to stop. And so we're coming down this very steep mountain, and there's a semi on my right and a drop-off on my left, and I start losing traction and start swerving back and forth. I know I pray. I'm not even sure what I'm praying because I'm still trying to get that car under control, but I figured out later what I prayed because sitting next to me was our son, Chad, who was in elementary school, and he had some army guys he was playing with in the front seat, and as we got further down away from all that excitement, I heard him praying with, playing with his army men, and one of his army men attacked another one, and the other one began to cry out as Chad portrayed it, yelling, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I realized I had just done that. That's all I could pray, Jesus. And he knew exactly what I wanted because that car flipped right there, not didn't flip, it went right back in place, and away we went. There are those other moments that you begin to pray, and God will begin to lead you as you pray what you think is the issue, and like a surgeon, you'll start going down through the issue, and you'll begin to see things you didn't see before, and so I'm praying because God, I'm, 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 I'm angry, and God says, no, look, you're, you're anxious, and, and the anxious is coming from a fear, and now you start realizing where the fear is, and the fear comes from a hurt, and that hurt has caused you great pain, and, and you need to deal with this pain, and, and you have unforgiveness because of this pain, you, and he takes you down through, that's what prayer will do, he'll begin to, to dissect it and pull it back so you get to the core of the issue and quite frankly I'm not done praying into an issue until I get to the place that I have a confident peace that I can just say okay I'm there this, this is it and I might, I'm just ah, he's got it See, that's faith when you get to the point you get peace that's faith you go, okay, I don't, I don't see the answers yet but I, I know I've, I've, hit, I've hit the issue So I had this preset in my life. Up until I met Pam, I had this preset that because of issues that I'd faced in in my life in the past, I was pretty sure that God didn't want me to have good things because I didn't deserve them. So I would even sabotage myself sometimes. And I tried it with her when I asked her to marry me. Later, I realized how great that deal was. And either God was going to take it from me or she'd figure out who I am and leave me. So I tried to take the ring back. She said, I'm not giving it back and you are marrying me. You understand that? I said, okay, yes, ma'am, we're good. And so I called my mentor and said, what do I do with this? Because I've got this gut thing that's just ripping me up, and I feel like God's mad at me, and, and I'm not supposed to marry her because I, because I just, I, I don't know why, but I'm not. And, and so he said, I want you to go someplace where you can be uninterrupted in prayer for several hours, and you start digging down deep in this thing, talking to God. And when you reach a place of peace, whatever he tells you, you stay on that peace. And so I prayed and prayed, and finally I got to a spot where I felt like God said, what are you worried about? Do you want to marry her? Yes. Well, then marry her. And so I said, okay, I've got my peace right there. And then my mentor said, you nail that down because you're still going to hear the voices. And in the months to come, for several months, I continued to hear the voices of the past saying, you can't have her. And I would say, no, 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 no. On this Tuesday night in this place, I felt the peace of God, and I nailed it there, and I'm staying in that peace, and you're not ripping me off. And so eventually it went. Because here's what Paul said. He said that peace will transcend all your understanding and it will garrison. It will be a guard around your intellect, what you're thinking and your heart, your emotions. It will guide you and guard you. Why? Because he said he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So how do we stay in Christ Jesus? Well, we have to think like Jesus and we have to Act like Jesus. So in the in the summer months between my, or in the summer months between my junior and senior year in college, I needed to make some money to pay for my schooling. So I worked before a paint contractor in Saginaw, Michigan. And, and none of the guys I worked with, including my boss, were, were Christ followers. And that was fine. But I noticed something happening to me as the weeks went on. I began to realize that when I would become frustrated or become uh, angry, that there would be words laying in my brain ready to pop out of my mouth that I had never said before. See, these guys, frequently their language was peppered with words I didn't normally say, and, including the F-bomb. It was just coming out all the time. And the fact, they could put the F-bomb grammatically in places that I didn't think you could do that, but they put them there. And so I found that, that when I got angry, suddenly those thoughts were there, and, and my mouth wanted to say those words. Although I still was following Jesus. And I realized that I was, I was soaking in a culture around me, and I was going to have to fight against it. And the way that I had to fight against it is I had to have more intentional focus on those things that I wanted inside of me that I wanted to say, as opposed to those other things that ran contrary. And so I had, I had to begin to, to focus on those things so that it came out of my heart because out of the, the heart the mouth speaks. And that's why Paul says this. Within this community of faith, finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me and seen in me, put it into practice. He said, So look, you as the, the community of faith, remember, he's talking community here. I want you to center yourself on thinking right. So he says, Here's what you do. As you're thinking things through, as you're watching that television program, you're at that movie, you're listening to, to that podcast, you've, you've got your iTunes on, whatever that is, or you're talking to some friends, you need to continually filter out what doesn't does not respond well to what Paul has just said. So he says this. Center your mind on what is true. That means things that are valid and honest. Which would pretty well wipe out most reality TV programs. Right there. Whatever is noble, which means worthy of respect. It's respectable. Whatever is right means whatever is God-approved. That, that, that thought coming through, yeah, God likes that. Whatever is pure, whatever is morally pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is friendly and kind, whatever is admirable, it's true to the highest standards. He says, so use your own discernment and see if it's excellent. This is a great word, excellent. It actually means the one who is strong enough to pick up the, the, the heaviest weight. Whatever that thing is that, that is strongest Use that. And which is praiseworthy, that is in the midst of praise to God. He said, now, think on these things. The wording actually means take, uh, take an inventory of those things that meet this criteria and put that in your life. Everything else, throw out. Think like Jesus. So there, there was a man that we knew for a lot of years, and he passed away last year. He was an overseer of churches in the West African country of Burkina Faso. His name is John Pawantari. John visited our church for for many, many years, and he actually stayed with us for a couple of those years when he was here. This man was a very, very humble man, yet he was revered as a great leader. This man had this, this, this shepherd's heart to take in people and care for them no matter who they were and what status they were. He cared for them. He is somebody who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and he's somebody who understood and studied the Holy Scripture so that he would understand this God that he worshipped and this Jesus who had changed his life. He so was in, in, in caring for people and in intense on prayer that when the first year we met him, and he was staying with some other folks here in this community of faith. We had gathered for, for a service, and, and we had our family in our car, and we headed home, and I noticed somebody was following us. We pulled in our driveway, and we noticed that the friends that were taking care of John Powintari were following us, and I thought, well, what's, what's the issue? And so I got out of my car and went over, and, and John Powintari was in the car. I said, is everything okay? And our ho- the host said, he wanted us to follow you so that he could see where you lived because he wants to picture where you live as he prays for you every day. So it's this guy that when our son, who you've heard a story, went through seven years of depression and rebellion, it was this guy who we told when he was here who went back to Burkina Faso and rallied 2,000 women who met every Thursday for seven years to pray for our son. So when I think of following Jesus, I picture John Pawantari. That's the image. Paul said, now listen, think this way, and then what you've heard me speak and you've watched me do, when you think about following Jesus, Paul says, picture me. So when the community around us hears about who Jesus is, and they say, so so what does that look like? Paul says, they need to picture you. They want to see you, because they can learn to love Jesus, and they can learn to trust Jesus and follow Jesus if their friends are empowered by Jesus. So he said, it's you. How many people, when they think of you, picture following Jesus, and you say, I'm not there yet. Well, you may not know it, but they may be already doing that, but you need and I need to keep working in that way, in that manner, so that we are a community where people say, oh, Erie first. When I think of following Jesus, I think of Erie first. Paul said, if you're that kind of community, if you act that way and you live that way and you celebrate Jesus, they will be attracted to that celebration. So let's preset our days, our thinking, every morning with an idea of celebrate. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Reset the preset so when you awaken in the morning, you think of... The community of faith, and you think of you and your day, and begin to celebrate and say, Oh, Jesus, your Lord. This is so good. Even when we're feeling unhappy, unhappy, understand that happiness comes from those who have to have the right happening. But those who are experiencing joy have the right relationship with a God that is celebrated in the this kind of gathering in the faith community. And Paul says, if you do this, he said, here's the, here's the natural response, or the thing that will happen. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. Where does the peace of God come from? The God of peace. And to get to know the one, you will then gain the other. And that God of peace says this. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, in prayer, and bringing your petitions, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. He said, I want you to come boldly and ask. So we have celebrated today. And I think that, that Paul would agree that in this, in this setting, it'd be important for us then to say, are you anxious? We want to pray that anxiety away from you today. And so I'm going to ask our elders and their spouses to come, those who are going to pray this morning, and just station themselves across the front here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up too. And in just a moment, we're going to invite you that if you are dealing with something in your life that's creating anxiety for you and you need someone to pray for you, then would you come and just grab one of these folks, and they're going to pray with you this morning. And if the, if the line gets long, if if people are, are up here, just stay seated. And we're going to take time until everybody gets a chance to be prayed for this morning. And if you may not need prayer, but you want to just sit where you are this morning and, and just pray over these folks as you're seated there or standing there, then please do that. And if you feel it's time for you to go, then in just a moment I'm going to dismiss you and you can go. But we believe this morning that God wants to perform miracles for some people. And we want that anxiety out of your life that you can celebrate. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you're prayed for today and you go through the week and realize that God answered that prayer, will you email us and tell us because we want to celebrate. So now this morning, one other thing. If you are here and you say, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about or how to have a relationship with him, you come up to one of these folks and they'll take time to talk to you about that and help guide you into finding that journey with Jesus. We want you to have that. So you good? Are you good? So now stand up. Before we begin to pray, I want you to celebrate with me one more time as Pastor Jason has had us do that. Would you just declare however you want to, clapping or yelling, or maybe you just don't do that, but inside you want to yell out loud. But would you just tell him that he is Lord in your life and give him thanks for that right now? Do that. Just join us. And because we are community and we are in this together, write to the person next to you, high-five them, and just say, Jesus is Lord. Do that. All right, now, if you believe in prayer, if you believe that God wants to answer and you want to be part of this, then as people are coming forward, just stay where you are. And just you, you may even want to reach out a hand as we are being prayed for and just say, Lord, whatever that issue is. Or maybe you know it, just say, Lord, give them a miracle today. And so I'm going to invite you now in just a moment. The band's going to begin to play. And you're going to have opportunity to come. And we're just going to continue to worship. And if you need to go, then would you slip out in reverence? And and if you need to talk with some folks, just do that out in the lobby area. That'd be great. But we are so glad that you are here with us today. And now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God. Be blessing and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen and amen. Let us pray for you now. Let's continue to worship. God bless you. Have a great week.